Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so we definitely want to keep the conversation rolling after the podcast is done, so you know what to do by now. But if you're a new listener, hey, this is where we inform you to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links right there on the homepage. You can also check out the directory where you can listen to the podcast on your favorite platform. Parlay Points, new blogs coming out this week. T Public Sale going on, so if you want to get some ODPH Podcast swag, that's the time to do it. All that and so much more is at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod. That being said, we are kicking off the sports edition of the ODPH, recapping the week that was in the NFL. Yeah. It's week two is in the books, a lot of moving and shaking, and we are going to give you our rundown of the games and obviously give you our locks and leaps. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off? Oh, we're going to start with my lock. I know this might have been low-hanging fruit, but, hey, I had to take it. Uh, I chose the New England Patriots to beat the New York Jets, and holy shit did they ever uh, beat them and cover the spread. Uh, winning by the final score of 25-6. to Mac Jones, 22-30 of 30 for 186 yards passing. No touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, on the flip side, Zach Wilson, boy, what can you say? 19-33, of 33, 210 yards passing. No touchdowns, four interceptions yikes you know we knew the jets were going to be a little rough mm-hmm. to put it mildly but this was a game where bill belichick probably had circled on his calendar oh hell yeah and he wants to say welcome to the rookie you're welcome to the league rookie uh-huh because you know what him going against the patriots defense and i don't care that the big names of old are not there it's still bill belichick running a defense yeah the man thrives on this. He's Emperor yeah. Palpatine for a reason. Yeah. He was waiting in the wings for this young Jedi to come on the field, and, man, did they put a whooping. Yeah, um, I wasn't able to watch the whole game just because I was busy on Sunday, but I did get to see the uh, last, like, ten minutes of the game and then, like, the first five minutes of the start of the game. And when I, and I was, I'll admit, I was nervous at the start of the game just because, you know, it's the first time in over a year that there have been fans at uh, the MetLife Stadium for the Jets. They were loud. They were raucous, you know, and then they were making their presence felt, you know, early on, it was a little back and forth, you know, Jets having some success running, not so much success passing. And this is before we get to the interceptions, you know, but I'm like, all right, this is going to be interesting. And then I, and then I got busy doing what I was doing and I just kept getting interception, intercept. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And it, and it was just mind-blowing at how bad Zach Wilson is. And and maybe it's an anomaly because, as we know, Bill Belichick going up against a rookie quarterback is, like, nigh undefeatable. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that he's maybe only lost one time against a rookie quarterback in his entire uh, NFL career. But Zach Wilson in the first half was 3 of 7 for 45 yards and 3 interceptions, which is just a fucking atrocious. You know, and, and that just goes to show that the Jets, I think, need to pick somebody up uh, who's a veteran that they can have there to kind of mentor and tutor him. Because right now, 
According to ESPN.com, the only gentleman that's listed on their uh, depth chart as the second string quarterback is a gentleman by the name of Mike White, who was a 2018 fifth round pick from Dallas, uh, went to the school of Western Kentucky. Uh, folks, he has no stats. Uh, it is 20. So being drafted 2018, it is now 2021. The man has not ac- attempted an NFL pass during the regular season. That is not the ideal situation you need bar like a, having a situation like you did on Sunday with the jets, where your starting quarterback had less than 50 yards passing and three interceptions where listen, Zach Wilson should have gotten pull- pulled from that game and somebody else put it in because if you'd had a veteran in there, you might've been able to salvage it, but you did. You might have been able to salvage it, but I think that the Jets' philosophy now, at least looking at it on paper, is let the kid sink or swim. Mm-hmm. He's got to go through these growing pains. And obviously, it's a new regime with the Jets. We know yeah. this. So you have to give a little slack there. But sure. watching the game and watching how he was reacting to a lot of the pressure he got, mm-hmm. some of those interceptions, I'm going to say at least two, were downright atrocious. Yeah, and I have no idea where he was throwing. There were yeah, there were there were at least two that he had no business throwing. I know this will sound like a strong take, but this had eerie shades of Nathan Peterman. Ooh, and, I, and I'm meaning this by some of those interceptions were deflections. Yeah, some were just outright bad passes. Yeah, we've seen in the past what has happened. As a Bills fan, I could tell you firsthand. Yeah, I had very eerie similar vibes. Now, granted, he's two games in. Sure. I'm not saying write him off, but what I'm saying is if I'm the Jets, I am working with him this week as a priority to manage the game better. And I, and I guess I shout out to the reporter post game who had the balls to ask him if he saw ghosts. Oh, I know that was a ballsy. That, ooh, that, that was, that was like, ballsy. That was like somebody hates you. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sorry. Like that is just somebody that just hates the Jets to even bring that up. And like I say, this kid has got to get used to it. Mm-hmm. You're in New York. It's a lot different than when you were in Brigham Young. Yeah. You need to get used to the media asking those rude questions because yeah. they're going to do it. Well, and, and let's just face it. They're ultimately quarterback. And like you said, it's early. He may develop and get better and thrive and eventually be like, holy shit. Remember, we could be talking in five years. Remember the shitty start Zach Wilson had? You know, look at it. Look at him now. I almost feel bad for the Jets because you look at Sam Darnold, who they let get away and let go and brought in Zach Wilson. Darnold had a pretty decent game on Sunday, so that's got to feel bad for Jets fans. But it, but back to my point, you know, it, it's interesting just to see quarterbacks who maybe aren't as game ready and then quarterbacks who are as game ready because I got to admit, I was nervous about starting Mac Jones. I was all for it, but I was still, there's that nervous, that trepidation. You know, is he game ready? I know they're saying he is, and I know people are talking about that just could be, you know, folks blowing sunshine up my Mm you-know-where. But he's impressing the shit out of me. I got to say, you know, through two games, uh, his first game against Miami, now it was a loss, but he did go 29 of 39, 281 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions uh, for a a rating of 102.6. Uh, and then this game, like I mentioned, 22 of 30 for 186 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions for a rating of 89. Not stellar games stat-wise, but it's very sound. He's very calm in the pocket. He's not rushing decisions. He's not making boneheaded plays. He's looking pretty good. He's managing the game well. And you know what? For a Belichick quarterback, that's what he wants. He doesn't need to go put up 500 yards a game and no. six touchdowns. He needs to win. And Mac came in this game, and he beat a very, very bad Jets team. But that's what you need to do to build your confidence as a rookie. You need to go in there and establish your will. You know, we say this in fighting a lot. You mm-hmm. need to establish your will and take control of the game. 
Mac Jones did that. I will say yeah. in two games, I'm more impressed with him and his composure. Yeah. Even that loss to Miami still, he did not look like a deer in headlights. No. And I'm saying, the Jets were throwing a lot of different packages at him, a lot of moving defenders and linebackers moving, trying to confuse him. But he never, in most of his instances, never got confused, never got, oh, my God, holy shit, what do I do? Mm-hmm. He just stood there, read through his options, and threw the ball where it was best. Yeah, so that all being said, he looked the part. This was a typical Patriots football game in the sense that it wasn't flashy. No. I mean, there was a, one highlight with Damian Harris. Damian Harris with a Marshawn Lynch-like run. Holy shit. Yeah, but there wasn't anything that was like super highlight real. Yeah. But they win, they do their job, and the ball keeps rolling for them. I was saying they got a real interesting test uh, this coming weekend. This is a game that, like, Patriots, if you can hear me, don't look past this game. They're obviously week four. We're coming. To, we're going into week four, three. Week four, Tom Brady's returned to New England. Don't look past this game because coming up this week, they're at home against the Saints. Don't get caught looking past New Orleans. I know Belichick won't let them do it, but still, don't do it. Right. I think that they're, Bill, Bill Belichick has enough of a culture established there mm-hmm. that unless it is a rookie – that's not used to the Patriot way. Yeah. They're going to be fine. Yeah. They're going to go in there and focus because what they need to do is if they want to compete with the bills, they got to win this game outright. The saints is a winnable game. It very much is. Yeah. But if they go one and two, because they're too worried about Tom Brady mm-hmm. and then whatever is going to happen, the following week is going to happen. Well, if you want to know a weird thing is I was reading on Reddit Sunday night, Monday night, whatever it was that if Tom Brady keeps up at the, pace he's going passing yards wise he's gonna break drew Brees's passing yards record in new england which just seems poetic oh absolutely i mean that's the brady's a whole other ball of wax i mean we, we can get into him a little later in the segment but for what the patriots need to do they gotta just go and win yeah and they're doing real good on defense i gotta say mm-hmm. you know as i said in our our twitter group for blocks and leaps you know, they're doing all this on defense without Stefan Gilmore, who's yeah. out till week seven with an injury. I forget what it is. But your interceptions for Sunday, you had two from J.C. Jackson, one from Devin McCourty, another one from Adrian Phillips. The defense is playing pretty damn good now. Admittedly, I know it's the Jets, but still, divisional game, mm-hmm. division rivals get up for each other. It's a little different. You yeah. know, just look at the history over the years. You know, but still, through two games without, you know, the former NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Defense is looking pretty damn good. They're not doing it flashy, but they're winning, and that's yeah. all you need to ask for. Them. Yeah. So for the Patriots, it's a big game next week, and then obviously two weeks, that's the only thing you're going to hear on your sports programming. Uh-huh. Except here, probably ODPH, because we don't want to drown you with all that hype yeah. that's going to be going on for that game. Yep. But Patriots got a big upside. The Jets, well... <laughs> Next week, uh, let's hope There's we get always next year. Let's hope we get a better stat line for your young quarterback because yeah. it's not pretty right no. now. Next up, Pat uh, was my leap, and I chose the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Chicago Bears, and I was wrong on this. Uh, with the Chicago Bears emerging victorious, winning by the final score of twenty-two seventeen, uh, you had Justin Fields six of thirteen for sixty yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Andy Dalton went nine of eleven for fifty-six yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, and on the flip side, Joe Burrow went nineteen of thirty for two hundred seven yards passing, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Now you may be sitting there uh, wondering, wait a minute, why are you? saying uh justin fields and andy dalton both played well there was a bevy of quarterback injuries on sunday and yeah. andy dalton was unfortunately one of them unfortunately it was so justin field got in there and, and showed what he's capable of yeah and you know what 
for the Bears, this was a gritty win. This wasn't anything flashy. No. This was as smash mouth as it gets. I thought both teams really were performing well. Cincinnati is impressing me a lot. Yeah. And I think that we talked about this on the preview show, and they're living up to it. Mm-hmm. They're, as long as the Burrow is staying healthy, he's working on a great repertoire with Chase. Oh, my God. That receiving core is, is filthy, and if they can keep Burrow's upright, because he did get sacked four times, and, mm-hmm. and I can't even see how many times he got you know, dropped back, knocked down, or anything like that. So Lord knows how many times that happened. But if he if he can get a repertoire going, that receipt with the O-line, that receiving core is real nice, because Tyler Boyd, seven catches, 73 yards, no touchdowns. T. Higgins, six catches, 60 yards, one touchdown. Jamar Chase, two catches, 54 yards, one touchdown. Like, that ain't bad. No, it's definitely not bad. And like I say, they are going to be looking like a sleeper team this year. They might not win every game, but make some noise. They're going to be in, but they will be in each game. Yes, like that's the one thing about them that, barring any wild injuries, they're going to hang in there with everybody. Like even Joe Mixon is giving a nice balance to the. Oh yeah, the sets up the play action very nicely. Twenty carries, sixty nine yards, which I say nice. Yes, uh, and no touchdowns. But still, that's enough to get the balance going. But when Justin Fields came in. It was a little different vibe with Chicago. Now, was I saying they're going to be putting up Madden scores here? No. No, No, but he definitely looked very comfortable going in the game and doing what he needed to do to lead that team to get a win. So I'm saying, obviously, Andy Dalton, I'd like to see him get back on the field very soon. Mm -hmm. I know you know I have a very special place in my heart for him because he— the entire city of Buffalo does. Absolutely. So we want to see him back on the field soon, but Justin Fields is now going to get tested, and— I think he's going to rise up to the test. There's one thing with the rookie quarterback question. Do you sit him or do you play him? I think with the Bears, they're in a a good place that they can put him in because I think that this game on Sunday, I feel very confident going into from what I saw against Cincinnati. Yeah. So, well, I kind of have to wait to see how it balances out, though. I mean, that's the one thing about the Bears. You just you don't know what you're going to I'll get say, I don't. Of. I don't envy being in the head coach's position. Yeah. Just, give, just get like everyone obviously wants the rookie to get in. It's pretty obvious from social media and all that. But Andy Dalton, you know, they are saying, you know, quote, Bears uh, from the ESPN article headline, Bears say Dalton remains starting quarterback if healthy, you know. But like the other article they wrote says, once Bears turn to Justin Fields a quarterback, there's no going back, and they're right. Right. Well, I mean, that's the one thing about it. If you have a quarterback come in there, and we've seen this time and time again, that can lead your team to wins, it's very tough to take them out and go back to the veteran mm-hmm. depending on who they are. True. So you, you got to have that grain of salt. Andy Dalton has not exactly earned that seniority with the Bears to to keep that job, but he's an adequate quarterback for what they're doing. And if they wanted to plug him back in, they could. They could. But I think if Fields gets obviously got the win here, they're going up against Cleveland next week. Right. I mean, that is a winnable game. If he puts a couple wins together, it's going to be hard to say Dalton has to go back in. But it all depends on what he can do against the teams he's facing. Mm-hmm. If he's struggling, if he's doing very close games and he doesn't look like he's the guy, then, yeah, you go back to Dalton. But it's not like you're benching him. No. It's not like you're saying he's done and he's washed up. No, you're saying you forced your rookie in there. He treaded water. Mm-hmm. He did what he needed to do. You to, gotta go with the hot hand. You gotta go with the hot hand. So you know, like I say, the Bears are in, and you know, obviously the injuries are not a good situation. No. But for all things considering, their season is not completely thrown out the window here. No. So you have to be looking on the bright side for that. As for Cincinnati, like I say, this was not a bad loss in the sense. No. Of you know demoralizing. I think that. 
the Bengals are showing teams that they can compete, and obviously going against Pittsburgh next week, that is going to be a true test for them. Uh huh. And I'm very excited to see we'll that see, game. Yeah, because uh, Cincinnati's got a real interesting schedule coming up. As you mentioned, they got Pittsburgh next week. After that, they play Jacksonville, Green Bay, Detroit. Baltimore, the Jets, and Cleveland before their bye week in week 10. Yeah, so it's going to be very, very interesting football to see what we get at Cincy. I'll say I also don't envy Chicago's position because they got, like as you mentioned, Cleveland next week, then they've got Detroit, and then they've got like the proverbial murderer's row of teams. Good luck, Chicago Bears fans, because after you play Cleveland, you've got Detroit, Raiders, Packers, Buccaneers, Niners, and Pittsburgh. And then you've got your bye week in week 10 where you're going to lick your proverbial wounds. Because yeah. I'm not saying... I'm not like wishing ill on you and saying, "Oh, you're gonna be beat the shit out in the head to shit and back." You're gonna, you're gonna need, you're gonna have some uh, battle scars there. They definitely are, but for a rookie quarterback, if Fields is still in there playing, that's a test. This is gonna be a good test to see if he's really the the real deal. You you want to test to see if your quarterback is NFL ready. Putting him up against Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and San Francisco in three consecutive weeks, that's a damn good test. It's a good test to see what they're really made of, and if he can keep it close, if not win. Even the Raiders. I don't want to throw any shade on the Raiders. Even the Raiders. If the Raiders show up, the Raiders will be a very, very good challenge for him. And I mean this knowing how they can get very inconsistent, but sure. they have looked on point lately, though. Sure. So we got to keep that in stride. With Chicago, like I said, it's going to be a big test moving forward. And Cincinnati, we'll have to see what they're capable of, too. Mm-hmm. So let's go to my locks and leaps. And let us go to my lock pad. I went with those Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, you did. Now, granted, they didn't cover the spread, but they got the win. I'll be it, though. In a heartbreaking fashion, if you're a Minnesota Viking fan. God damn. Yeah, Vikings fans, I feel for you. Uh, Arizona ended up winning by the final score of 34-33. to 33, uh, With, again, Minnesota's field goal kicking woes continuing oh. to be, be mudge them. Uh, I, I really wish, and I echo what somebody said on Reddit, Vikings fans, who did you piss off to get this kind of luck with kicking? Holy fuck. Uh, Kyler Murray, 29-36 of 36 for 400 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Kirk Cousins, 22 of 32 for 244 yards passing, 13, three tu- 13 touchdowns, uh, just kidding, uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Dalvin Cook had a hell of a game, 22 carries, 131 yards, no touchdowns, though. Uh, Chase Edmonds had eight carries, 46 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Rondell Moore, have a game, why don't you? Seven catches for 114 yards, uh, receiving one touchdown. Uh, Max Williams on Arizona, seven for 94, no touchdowns. Uh, on the Minnesota side, not, not too bad. Uh, K.J. Osborne, 5 for 91, one touchdown. Justin Jefferson, 6 for 65, one touchdown. Adam Thielen, 6 for 39, one touchdown. Could have done a few more for me in fantasy, but mm-hmm. I digress. You know, takeaways from this, Kyler Murray's the real deal. Mm-hmm. I think if there's any question about this kid, it went out the window. He looked very, very good in this game. Throwing for 400 yards is a big deal. I Granted, he had two interceptions, but... He still led this offense, and this offense was clicking very, very well. Oh, my God, yeah. So that is a big plus for Arizona because if you can keep Murray throwing and not running as much as he's needed to do in the past, Mm -hmm. 30 yards I'm good with for him running, but he should not be your leading rusher. No. And we've said this multiple times. If he's a leading rusher in your team for your game, that is a problem. Mm-hmm. This time, not so much. And he's obviously got a great wide receiver core with him as well. And Minnesota gave him a challenge. There's yeah. you, you can't take anything away from the Vikings. They went into the desert 
and they definitely came to play. Albeit though, you hate putting it down to the last minute kick because that will kill you. That, that just kills your spirit right Ugh. there, no matter what you do. Like, and, and not just for that game, but like for the next week. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, it's demoralizing. That's that's the easiest way to put it. And to see this happen again, I mean, we've talked about kicking woes in Minnesota before. It's, it's got to be something about the NFC North. It's something, man, because this is like the third or fourth time in like five years. Yeah, it, it's just it's a crushing blow. It's absolutely crushing to see how Minnesota is going to rebound from this. That is going to be a true question mark now because they've lost some close games early. They are giving me Los Angeles Charger vibes. Mm. That is not something you want to have. Trust me. Because, Pad, looking at their schedule coming up, we really got to see what Minnesota is going to be bringing to the table. Yeah, so uh, this upcoming week they're playing Seattle uh, at home. Uh, after that, they've got Cleveland, Detroit, and Carolina. They've got a bye week uh, in week seven. But, yo, Christ almighty, their schedule after the bye week is rough. Uh, week eight, they play Dallas, and then they play Baltimore, Chargers, Packers, Niners, Detroit, Pittsburgh, uh, Bears, Tra- uh, Rams, Packers and then Bears to close out the year. Yeah, that's a Yo. rough run. That's a rough run for them. And like I say, especially having a you know seventeen game season, having your bye week that early with a team a run of teams like that. Yikes. Yeah, that's not what you want to have uh, for them. Secondary guys are going to definitely be getting some playtime. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just the tough thing with the extra game on this year, and that's something if you're not really familiar with football, you you don't really grab it. You know, grasp that concept. It's an extra week's worth of preparation on a body that has taken a toll Yeah, leading up for the months. And like you can say, oh, well, it's one more game. Yeah, it's one more game, but still, that's one more physical draining game, especially if they look like they might be scrapping for a playoff spot. Even though they're 0-2, I'm not writing them off yet. No. We have seen enough of them to contend, but they got to start putting those Ws on the board. So it's a good thing you can find ice as easily as air up in Minnesota once you hit a certain time of the year. Absolutely. And for Arizona, look, they're in the toughest division in all football. The uh-huh. NFC West is the toughest. So you can't tell me otherwise. Exactly. But they are contending. They are hanging in there. They are putting up points. Yeah. And their defense, look, if you can even get a win out in grand, you can say, well, it was a missed field goal. So be it. If Dalvin Cook is running for 131 yards on you and you're still getting a win, take that in stride. Enjoy that. I'll say they just went up week one and week two up against two of the best running backs in the NFL in Derek Con- Derek Henry and Dalvin Cook, and that they only let uh, gave up thirteen points to Tennessee week one, and then thirty three this week to Minnesota. But still, to go back to back up against two of the best running backs in the NFL and come away with two wins, feather in your cap, folks. Absolutely, Arizona's got to be ecstatic, and I don't care if there was a missed field goal. They hung in there. They took on a very, very game team in Minnesota. Minnesota was very game for this. They mm-hmm. were definitely game time ready to go. And Arizona still hung with them. And that yeah. was the big question mark. Was week one a fluke? I heard that all over the place. Oh, sure. I mean, I can understand why you would say that. You know, Derek Henry only had like 58 yards rushing. So I, I can see why some people would call it a fluke. Yeah, but it, they're definitely the but real deal. Th- this week? No, it's not a fluke. It's not a fluke. And where they're going to be going forward? That's going to be a really fun test to see them. Yeah, watch. they got a couple interesting games too. They've got Jacksonville uh, this coming week. Uh, after that, they've got the Rams, Niners, Browns, Texans, Packers, Niners again, uh, Panthers, Seahawks, and then they've got a bye week in Week Twelve. Take the Jacksonville Jaguars out of the equation. That is a tough road, uh-huh. right there. Yeah, it is. 
So we'll see what Arizona is really made of. But so far, so good. They're passing all the test marks I can see right now. So I'd say so. Arizona, you got to be excited about your team right now. And let us close out the locks and leaps portion of this, breaking down the wildest leap, I guess I was told. Yeah. Because I had faith in purple rain, <laughs> purple rain. Baltimore did not let me down. I, I had a feeling we are going to get an upset, and lo and behold. Well, you know what it was? They brought in Ray Lewis. Ray, Ray Lewis was there. He came out right before the game to his squirrel dance. That's what it was. It was it was the gift of Ray Lewis. Yes, and they were definitely fired up, and they needed to be. Mm-hmm. And, Pad, what happened when they were fired up? Uh, well, Lamar Jackson at one point went vertical into the end zone for a touchdown, uh, but Baltimore ended up winning and beating uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs for the first time in, like, three starts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lamar's now 1-3 and three against the Chiefs. Uh, by the final score of 36 to 35, Lamar Jackson, 18 of 26 for 239 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, he had 16 carries for 107 yards rushing on the ground, two touchdowns. Uh, and then Patrick Mahomes, 24 of 31 for 343 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Christ almighty. This was a video game. It really was because you got the start of the game where Baltimore coughed the ball up, gave it to Kansas City, Kansas City immediately went down and scored. And then for Baltimore to immediately come back, have, you know, elephant memory and forget about it instantly. Mm-hmm. And to come back and score themselves, like this game at, at halftime was 21, 21 to 17 at halftime. Yeah. Yikes. It was a wild game, but this is where we really want to see what the Ravens had in their system. Obviously, a demoralizing loss to the Raiders on Monday Night Football. And how wild that finish was. We weren't sure what we we're going to expect. Kansas City, well, we knew that they came in with a lot of hype. And obviously a very gritty win against Cleveland the previous week. But are they the real deal? Our teams. My biggest question with this team in Kansas City is, has the rest of the league picked up on what you're doing? The Raiders left the blueprint last season of how to defeat you. Mm-hmm. I think now you're seeing a lot closer games because teams are picking up on what you're doing. Yeah. And if you're a defense-focused team, and let's let's not make any question about this, Baltimore is defense, 101. Mm-hmm. They were ready to shut down Patrick Mahomes and company. If not shut them down, slow them down enough to get a win. Yeah. And the one thing that I was very impressed with was Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and I got to say, I was impressed with that. I was also impressed with Harbaugh and his trust in Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. because there was that moment when they were on fourth down where it was late in the game, and Harbaugh, and you can find video of this, Harbaugh looks at Lamar and says, Lamar, do you want to go for this? He asked him several times, and I'm guessing Lamar said, yeah, and they he trusted him enough to go, all right, and then, you know what? It worked for him. Absolutely, and that's the one thing that Jackson needed to do because he's never been able to really beat Kansas City. No, he literally, like, up until this point, he was 0-3 going into this game, career against uh, the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. That's what I said. Like, he's never been really able to beat them because what happens is I think when he starts getting those bad losses, Mm -hmm. that just starts wearing on him. Yeah. And and this was a game that he knew he had to win because otherwise you're going to be hearing it on the radio, you're going to be hearing it everywhere that – he can't beat the Chiefs. 
He's only a regular season quarterback. He can't win in the playoffs. Like you, there's all that nonsense involving him. Yeah, and I and I think part of it might just be he get and you know when the situation gets bad and he gets down a little bit, he gets in his own head. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you see in basketball where like a team gets down by a bunch of points and rather than going for twos and going for layups and going for fouls, they just start jacking up threes, mm-hmm. trying to make a quick comeback. Like Lamar, I think starts trying to do the same thing. Yeah, you know, and, I'll give you and, that, and try to do the home run play, the deep pass, the, the fancy Madden like run. But, you know, they didn't do that. And and for the, the Chiefs, listen, I think what I said in the previous shows is coming to pass, at least early on. They're in the Golden State Warriors phase where mm-hmm. they they Golden State Warriors early on with with Curry, Thompson and Draymond real goddamn good. They had that one season where they were nigh unbeatable. Yeah. And then obviously KD came in and they still won, but they were less less immortal and, and more beatable mm-hmm. i think kansas city's in the exact same place where listen you had your run that you were like a video game and nigh unbeatable and putting up points like it was going out of business but now like you said teams have figured you out they know what to do and they can game plan for you yeah there's a blueprint right now and i think that the rest of the league is picking up on it see that's why there's it's such a weird window for quarterbacks to mm-hmm. succeed because teams are smart to pick up on what you're doing mm-hmm and the great ones find ways to adjust their games. Mm-hmm. Brady's done it. Rodgers has done it. Drew Brees did it, obviously. Even, even head coaches, you know, yeah. Belichick, Belichick, you know, uh, and then uh, Sean Payton down in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Once you have that system in place that you can figure out what a quarterback is doing, it now becomes up to the quarterback to combat that mm-hmm. as much as they can. And I'm not saying that they could you know completely shut somebody down but you've seen it time and time again where we've had rookies come in a league and they'll light everybody on fire because nobody has any tape on them and then you slowly see that you know digression Mm -hmm. going on because teams are figuring you out and for lamar jackson this was a big win for him because he wanted to say no you think you got me figured out i'm gonna lead this team do we have a running core right now no no they really don't it's really just who can it's, suit up and show uh, up running back by committee because they uh, other than lamar jackson they had tyson williams 13 carries uh 77 yards latavius murray nine carries 36 yards Devontae freeman you know the former uh, car, uh uh falcons running back two mm-hmm. carries not 29 yards patrick ricard one carry two yards you know i think at one point one they were bringing on Le'Veon bell yeah it won't because you know baltimore's down so many running backs it's insane Right, but this was where I say they were regressing. I should have said regressing instead of digressing. Yeah. Either way, everybody knows understand what I'm saying. When you can stop that from happening and you can really turn this around because obviously their running game was a very bad place right now, they found a way to win gritty. And even with their mistakes, they did. And like I said, both teams did, and I know there was a late-minute fumble, yeah. which could have completely changed everything there with Edwards Hilaire dropping the ball. Albeit, though, how he was running – I would have been more protective of it instead mm-hmm. of having the ball out to my side because Baltimore saw that, and the minute he ran up the middle like that, yeah, that's where I thought they might have a problem because you saw the defenders immediately went for the ball. They didn't go for a tackle, and that's how they got the ball to pop out that easy because when you're running up the middle, you got to use both hands to run straight forward. Mm-hmm. He ran the side like he got out of bounds, and yeah. that was a problem. So yeah. obviously it's a fluke uh Fumbled there, but both teams were making mistakes. But both teams looked like they were ready to show up for this game. Travis Kelsey balled out seven catches, 109 yards, one touchdown. Uh, On the flip side, you had Marquise Brown, six catches, 113 yards, one touchdown. Yo, exactly. This was a video game, and this it really was. And this is this had so much drama involved. We talk about the heavyweight bouts and uh-huh. the fighters are going back and forth. This was this matchup, and it was this per- is this is really the new generation Brady versus Manning. 
Yeah. That like for all the years I got to watch that and lose years off my life with that matchup, Kansas City fans and, and Baltimore fans, I know what position you're going to be in. You're going to lose years off your life watching this matchup for years. You know, it, it really is that new generation matchup. It's a highly potent offense versus a highly potent defense. Who's going to break first? Yeah. And that's what we saw here. So obviously huge Huge win for Baltimore yeah. going forward. Yeah, and obviously they're going to be building off that success. Yeah, uh, they've got a couple interesting games on the next coming weeks before their bye. Uh, they've got Detroit, Denver, Indianapolis, Chargers, and then the Bengals, and then they got a bye week in Week Eight. Uh, and then over on the flip side, you've got the Chiefs playing the Chargers next week, and then they play the Eagles, Bills, Washington. Titans, Giants, Packers, uh, Raiders, Dallas, and then they got a bye week in Week Twelve. Definitely some interesting matchups for both teams moving forward, but if they have to run this back in the playoffs, get your popcorn ready. Uh-huh. It's going to be fun games to watch. So let's take a quick trip around the league to close this segment out, Pad. Yeah, I want to talk about the Packers-Lions game because, like I said, listen, week one, fluke. To quote Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, because holy shit, did the Packers put on a show on Monday night, uh, winning by the final score of 35-17. to Aaron Rodgers, I want to thank you for single-handedly willing me to a fantasy football win. On the flip side, Aaron Jones, fuck you. <laughs> uh, you had... Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, 22 of 27 for 255 yards, passing four touchdowns, no interceptions. Jared Goff, 26 of 36 for 246 yards, passing two touchdowns, one interception. Aaron Jones, though, my God, uh, 17 carries for eight, 67 yards, rushing one touchdown, and then passing, he had six catches for 48 yards, receiving three touchdowns. So the man had four touchdowns all night, which was the other matchup I was in, and I had a shot until Aaron Jones decided to go like Madden on easy mode. Yeah, this game was a big thing for Packers fans, and obviously they wanted to see Aaron Rodgers show up because, like I said, if they lost to the Detroit, the trade talk would have amplified. I'll say they would have been at, like, DEFCON 1. Yeah, absolutely. They would definitely have been hitting the break glass for danger, however you wanted to find that. They would have been in panic mode, and rightfully so, but Aaron Rodgers did what Aaron Rodgers does. Got very composed, ready mm-hmm. to rock, set the tempo early. They he was not being uh shall we say laid back about this. No. I think he understood the gravity of the situation. That's why he got running with the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say they wanted to make that statement first. Albeit though Detroit hung with them. Yeah, they did. Like you have to give them that credit. We'll say it was seventeen to fourteen halftime in favor of Detroit. Right, but Rodgers was moving the ball down the field very, right. very easily. Right, and you got to give credit to the Packers' defense for making second-half adjustments, you know, because, like I said, halftime it was 17-14 to 14 in favor of Detroit. Second half, no points for Detroit. No, they, they locked him in. But this is where Aaron Rodgers really took over. Like, I think he is motivating that locker room. Oh, my God, yeah. And he was saying, like, look – I'm going to do this with or without you. Are you going to help me or not? Yeah, I, I was playing video games while keeping an eye on some of the stats because, like I said, I had Rodgers going and I was clo- in a close game. But I got a notification from Yahoo saying that Rodgers had scored. I was like, all right, sweet. Let's see. Oh, okay. Like I think at that point I was like .2 or .3 over. I'm like, sweet, I got the win. And then I got another notification like less than five minutes later saying he was in the red zone again. I'm like, wait, what the fuck happened? Yeah, no, he was definitely on a mission to win that game and definitely quiet a lot of the hype that was going around and saying, look, we're still going to contend. Last game was a fluke, mm-hmm. and now here we are. So Packers fans, you got to be excited about this one moving forward. Not as excited as our Buffalo Bills, though. hey Because you can't spell 305 without 35 and 0. Shots fired. I can't believe the Bills put that on their Instagram. That was that was 
ice cold. I can. But you know what? I'm not mad about it because obviously this was a rivalry game. This one is my rivalry game more than anything. Oh, sure. So, like I say, I've always said the Bills' number one rivals have always been Miami. So oh, yeah, that, that's facts. The Patriots, hey, look, I can't take anything away from what they've done that, to that, us. That's a new, that's a new age rivalry. Yeah, you it, know, it, B- Buffalo Bills and, and Miami Dolphins is old school. Yeah, that's old. That's old school. So, like I say, I focus on this game more than anything. The Bills looked like that Super Bowl contender that everybody was talking about mm-hmm. in that first half. They came out there, really put the pressure on Tua. In fact, took him out of the game with uh, bruised ribs, I believe. Yeah. And obviously that changed the tempo of everything. But I will say this. I don't root against Tua. Like, I think his comeback story is great. I just wish that they had him in a better position to win. Sure. In Miami, in my opinion, they don't. I think that they did a disservice to him about the whole closer thing last year. Oh, yeah. And I don't think they have enough weapons around him to really make a deep run and get that – confidence built up in him because for what the bills did in that first couple series till they took him out he looked very lost in my opinion yeah i mean because you look at his stats where his career he's got 2029 yards passing uh 12 touchdowns six interceptions you know and then a completion percentage of 63.2 you know with 203 completions on 321 attempts so it's not that much to go by but then again, it's because of what they did last year with the whole closer, let's start him, but then bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick to close it out, mm. which I agree 100% with you. I've said before, I'll say it again, hurt him in the long run because he couldn't build that repertoire with the receivers and with the O-line and the running core for like, hey, we're in a game situation and we're on the left hash of the 35-yard line on the other side of the field with you know a buck and a half left and one timeout, here's what we're going to do. Like, he didn't have that. He doesn't have that. No. You know, and, and I think that's going to hurt him until he can build that. Yeah, and, and I don't know if Miami's going to be the team he does it at. I really don't. Because you can be the greatest quarterback of all time, but if you can't close a game out, it don't mean shit. Exactly, and that's the problem that they face in Miami, and I'm sorry. I'm going to say this as a very objective football fan because I'm not going to just sit here and bash because, well, I don't like Miami. Mm-hmm. I am saying this. They have got to make a change at quarterback if they want to contend. Mm-hmm. And I would call up Houston, and I would say, what do you want for Deshaun Watson and make that deal? Uh, an arm and a leg and your firstborn child, from what I've heard. Right, but at this stage, I think they need to do that. And I think for a couple reasons. Sure. One, for right now, even if Tua comes back, you still don't have him in a position to win. I'm sorry, you don't. You can make some noise, but like you said, he's not going to make any deep runs. Exactly. So if and I'm not saying they're in rebuilding mode, but they're in that weird flux mode yeah. where what team there's, are we? They're still get? rebuilding, but they're not there yet. Right? There's nobody on that offense that scares me. No, Comp- like I'm sorry, you know, their tight end Galeski. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, but he's not a Travis Kelsey like. No, he won't take over games, but no. he'll put up points for you. Everybody else on the team is all right. Jalen Waddle, six catches, 48 yards, no touchdowns. Devontae Parker, five catches, 42 yards, no touchdowns. You know, Miles Gaskin, four catches, 21 yards, no touchdowns. Like, they're all good stat lines, decent stat lines. But, again, it's nobody that you're picking up for, like, a fantasy football team. It's like, oh, hey, I need a filler for this week since my starter's on on a bye week. Yeah, and that's the one thing. I mean, Brissett did an adequate job. Oh, yeah, he's, he's an adequate guy, but he's not the guy. No, he's not the guy. And the Bills put so much pressure on, which is like, thank you. And, you know, for once, we didn't need to do second-half adjustments. Why? Because we were shut, shut out of the first half. So, you know what? Kudos to them. I will say Josh 
Allen did not really impress me. Sure. He looked good, but it wasn't like a game changer by any yeah, chance. 17 to 33, 179 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception, uh, rating of 75.2. Yeah, like he looked okay. That's adequate. Yeah, which, like I say, he got the job done, and that's that'll what matters get, at the end of the day. That'll get the job done against Miami, who is a bit of a lesser team, I think, at this point, especially when two is not there. Mm-hmm. But going up against the Kansas City's, the Seattle's, you know, even the uh, Baltimore's, yeah. you know, not necessarily going to do you all that well. No, but they did what they needed to do, and obviously hearing the deflating comments from their loss to Pittsburgh for a week, they got motivated, which mm-hmm. good. And you want to get these lumps out of the way early so that you can work out the kinks now so that they're not biting you in the ass at the end of the season. Exactly. So they did look good. They actually looked like they had a running game, which was scary to me, but I'm all here for it. Singletary had 82 yards and a touchdown, a great run to kick off the first you know series. And Zach Moss, even though with his fumble troubles, came in 26 yards but two touchdowns. So if we can get something like this every game out of them, yeah. okay, we're on the right track. And I know we got Washington this week, and what scares me as well, it's Washington. Yeah, They play in the NFC East. They barely beat the Giants. Yep. Nuff said. The Bills are nine and a half favorites. Hey. That, that that worries me. Yikes. Because then you start buying in your own hype, and it's like, guys, you need to play football. You, you don't need to be playing, you know, book our tickets to the Super Bowl already. Like, however you want to define that. Start, uh, start uh, paying the tattoo. Exactly. Like, I'm sorry. You need to play better consistently. This was a good win for him. Don't take anything away from him. I'm ecstatic about it, but I'm not ready to crown him yet. You want to crown them? Crown their ass. Exactly. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. And then for the Dolphins, well, you're going out to Las Vegas, which this point spread scares me a little bit. Yeah. The Raiders, who are o- or 2-0, and o, rather, yep. are only favored by 3.5. Only thing I can think of is they're not figuring... Christ, even if Tua wasn't playing, that should be, should be more. Yeah, exactly. Like I think that that's a little disservice to the Raiders. I hope the Raiders get take offense to that and really come out and put a whooping yeah. on Miami, no matter who the quarterback is. But this is just puzzling to me why it's so low. Yeah, no, it is to me too. I I, I don't know. Maybe it's Vegas tipping their hand. Yeah, you never know. Like allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. But we but this is just kind of the weird scenario that we live in. Like, how could a team that's that's struggled as much as they did against the Bills are coming in with such a low th- point spread? Like that for me, I just I just find that kind of funny watching. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Especially with Vegas having that very impressive win over Pittsburgh as they traveled to Pittsburgh. Yeah. and got that win. I'm telling you. Rich from 3FM was definitely celebrating about this one. So is our guy Lincoln. And there was so many Raider fans that are like, listen, you got to be excited about what your team did. You played two games very consistently, never say die, mm-hmm. win gritty, and you, you pulled off some W. So now, I mean, the Raiders have to be considered some contenders right now. Oh, they have to. But like you said, it's very early, so we shall see. Uh, they've Like you said, they got Miami this coming week. After that, they've got the Chargers, Bears, Broncos, Eagles, uh, and then they've got a bye week in week eight. Uh, and then they've got the Giants, Chiefs, Bengals, uh, Cowboys, Washington, Chiefs, Browns, uh, Denver, Indianapolis, and then the Chargers to close out the year. Chargers don't scare me. They're the most undisciplined team in football because they should have beat Dallas outright, and they uh-huh. gave them that game. I don't even want to get into it. That's the Chargers. Listen, I avoid one team when it comes to anything, Yep, and that is the Los Angeles Chargers. That is facts. They are the most inconsistent team I think I've seen in recent memory. And I'm sorry, they were so undisciplined. They gave that game to Dallas. 
outright. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to put it. I, I don't even know where I can begin with just how atrocious that effort was because even though they were putting up points on sportsmanlike conducts, yep. bad penalties yeah. all over the place, it was it was just mind-blowing to me to watch. I'm sorry. like I I try rooting for the Chargers because I think that they they have a lot of weapons on both sides of the ball, but, man, they cannot put it together mentally, in my opinion. It just it fails. Yeah. It fails miserably. Man, this week was absolutely crazy with football. A lot of very close games than I thought we were going to have in, in certain aspects. You know, Frisco sneaking one out against Philly. I guess the yeah. Super Bowl talk is on hold Philly. And, I mean. Sky's falling. Bench of quarterback. Exactly. Tennessee looked great against Seattle. You know, gritty win in overtime. So, I know our guys at East Coast Avengers got to be happy about that. Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does. He's 9-0 against Atlanta. Yeah. Because who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta is not good. No. Losing 48-25. to 25. All of that and so much more. Definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your reaction to week two of the NFL season? How did your team do? And how you looking going into week three? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. Thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go movie. way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do ever do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Brocast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And man, oh man, it has been a hot minute since we have really talked some UFC action. Yeah. But this card is warranting it. Coming up this Saturday as we record... UFC 266 taking place in Las Vegas. T-Mobile Arena. Let's go. Big, big fight night is going down. So, Pad, why don't you break it down for us here? Yeah, so we're not going to get super in-depth, but we got to mention on the preliminary card, you do have Marlon Moraes taking on uh, Marab Devashivi. Apologies if I butchered the name. And that's in the bantamweight division. You've also got Dan Hooker taking on Nasrat uh, Harkpast. Uh, again, apologies if I butchered the name. That is in the lightweight division. Uh, but then on the main card, we got to mention you've got in the women's flyweight division, you've got Jessica Andrade taking on Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, and then in the heavyweight division, you've got Curtis Blades taking on Rosenstruck. Man, that's a solid way to kick off the card, too. I, I got to say, the undercard looks really good, too. And I, I like to see the one fight I'm watching is the Dan Hooker one. Sure. I'm very interested to see how he is going to come back from this one because obviously he's had a very up and down path going on right now. Mm-hmm. So I definitely want to see what he's got bringing to the table. Uh, and then kicking off with the main card, Calvillo and Andrade. Look, that's going to be a scrap. Yeah, That's going to be a real scrap. I like Andrade in this, but I'm not down Calvillo can pull something off. But Andrade, if she really imposes the ground game, really imposes the wrestling aspect, 
I tell you what, it's going to be a long day for Calvillo. So if I got to make a decision, I will say this fight is going to go to the decision, and I do take uh, Andrade via split. All right. And then for the heavyweight battle, listen, I don't doubt Rosenstruck. I really don't. I think that he is coming in there very motivated. Curtis Blades is no joke either. This fight could go either way, and it's almost a coin flip. But I do like Rosenstruck just a hair more. Okay. I could see this being a stoppage, but I think both of these guys are going to go swinging for the fences. I think you're going to see a lot of action. I think this is going to be one to really stand out on this card, but I like Rosenstruck winning via stoppage. So this is going to be a great way to kick into the the real main events, if you will. Yeah. And the fight that I think most MMA fans have been waiting to see. I'll say waiting, uh, as we record, 6,381 days, As again, as we record. So this is on a Tuesday, so add a couple days for when it hits Saturday. But, yeah, now this one, this one has been long anticipated. This is in the welterweight division between Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler, who last fought each other. On April 2nd of 2004, remember where you were back then? I do. That uh, This one's going to be very interesting. If for no other reason than this is Nick Diaz's triumphant return to mixed martial arts. Uh, he last fought... <laughs> Listen, Nick Diaz crowned himself the greatest fighter of all time during his last fight, and you can't tell me otherwise. He fought Anderson Silva uh, five rounds, five minutes, while Anderson Silva tested positive for a performance-enhancing substance while Nick Diaz was high on weed. Yes. You know, and I and I don't remember how that fight went. Doesn't matter. The fight was overturned. It was no contest. Still, at that point, Anderson Silva was still the Anderson Silva of old. You know, Nick Diaz fought him five rounds, did not get knocked out while Anderson Silva was uh, on things, and Nick Diaz was high. Nick Diaz has to be the most polarizing figure in all of mixed martial arts. Yes, you either love him or you can't stand him. I love him. I think he's incredible. He's awesome. Nick is just, he is a one-of-a-kind character because you you talk about a fighter that is real and authentic and mm-hmm. like what you see is what you get. That is Nick. Yeah. Nick is zero Fs given. So he's not doing a, a gimmick like certain Colby Covington, mm-hmm. you know, or, or anything else. He's not putting on a face for the crowd or the camera. This is who he is. Like, he, he keeps it 100. Yes, he does all the time. And to see Diaz... Come back, and granted, it's been a long time rumored about getting him to come back. He is box office. He moves the needle. Oh, hell yeah. He is somebody that the UFC needs to be marketing and getting in front of your cameras because Nick definitely has that aura around him, that X factor, however you want to define it. And even when he's gone and fought in the past, and you can say whatever you want about him against uh, GSP. Yeah. That was a big box office fight, but even Nick came out there and said, listen, he wrestled me to the ground. He didn't fight me, and it's true because that's what GSP did. This is true. So, I mean, he's definitely been a name that's been in that division, and he is somebody that when he is back now could definitely get plugged into a lot of great fights moving forward and take nothing away from Robbie Lawler. Other than the man needs a win. The man needs a win, but listen, we talk about tread on the tires. Mm Mm-hmm. When we say you know fighters have been in battles and been yeah. in, in you know pervert you know quote unquote wars and all that nonsense yeah Lawler has say Lawler as we record uh, turned thirty nine uh, years old back in March 
so we'll just say 39 and a half, make it easy. Uh, he, he has 44 professional matches with a record of 28 and 15. Mm-hmm. He has 20 wins by knockout, uh, one by submission, one by, or excuse me, seven by decision. Decision, And then for his losses, he's got three by knockout, five by submission, seven by decision, and then he's got one no contest. Yeah. Uh, and his first fight was, first professional fight was, holy fucking shit. Mm-hmm. His first professional fight was against a gentleman by the name of John Reed, who he knocked out two minutes and 14 seconds into the first round on April 7th of 2001. Yeah. Like I said, tread on the tires. And Robbie has been a great story to watch because he has evolved. He used to be a fighter that used to come out there and just really be quick strikes and knock people out really fast and really, uh, I don't want to say undisciplined. Sure. But he was just a wild fighter. And then, obviously, you start getting brought back to earth. Sure. And he has evolved his game where now he's been on this great, I mean, his story to get the uh, welterweight title is that of legend. And to see the his arguably greatest fight ever is him against Rory McDonald from 2015, yeah, which was one of the most wildest things I have ever seen, and that is Robbie losing like half a lip, bleeding and yeah. smiling going in that fifth round. Yeah. Like I mean, that, it, that was a run for him too because he fought Josh Koscheck at 150 at UFC 157 in February of 2013. That was his return to welterweight. He earned knockout of the night that night because he knocked him out with knee and punches in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he came back in July of that year fighting Bobby Volker uh, on a UFC on Fox card uh, where he knocked him out with a head kick and punches 24 seconds into the second round. Then he had the war with Rory McDonald where he lost, or excuse me, he won by split decision. Yeah. That was a run for him. Yeah, no, like I said, Robbie's comeback story, especially being out of the UFC and then coming back, it's the stuff that one day will be made into a movie. Yeah, and you got to give the man credit because I was I was just kind of glancing through his record and the dates. Since he started fighting professionally in April of 2001, the man has missed one year of fighting. He's And what I mean by that, he's fought at least one fight every year barring 2018. That was the only year he missed with a fight because he lost to uh, Dos Anjos. Uh, at a UFC on Fox in December 16th of 2017. His next fight was Ben Askren in March of 2019. So the only year he's missed since 2001 is 2018. Uh, applause to you, sir. Exactly. I mean, he is just a legend in the sport. And like I say, Robbie is on that decline, though. Mm-hmm. And it's father, four, it's father time. Yeah, four losses in a row. You know, he his last fight was against Neil Magny. He lost that by unanimous decision. That was back in August of last year. Yeah, he looked bad in that uh, one. He lost it by unanimous decision to Colby Covington in August of 2019. Uh, was lost by technical submission to a bulldog choke of all things to Ben Askren. Yeah, put an asterisk by that one. Yeah. Uh, then, like I mentioned, he uh, lost by unanimous decision to uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, that was in December of 2017. His last Last win was against Donald Cerrone, unanimous decision. That was in July of 2017. Yeah, so to see how this fight is now getting ran back after 17 years. 17 years and like almost 7,000 days. Jesus, Mary. Figure out the hours and minutes on your own time. It's it's wild to see that they finally are running this one back. These these are like two living legends going at each other. And, and arguably, you know, I know Nate likes to say he's the last of a dying breed. I would argue his brother is too, just because you look at the oh yeah, you look at the names of some of the folks Nick Diaz has fought. You know, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, Carlos Condon, B.J. Penn. 
you know, uh, Frank Shamrock back in his strike force days, you know, Takanori Gomi, you know, just to name a Diego Sanchez, you know, just to name a few Robbie Lawler, as we mentioned, Jeremy Jackson, like this dude has fought some folks. Absolutely. Like the, the track record for both these gentlemen is astounding. And so like, it's a who's who Yeah, for that time period in, in mixed martial arts. It's a who's who. Yeah. So now at this stage though, I do like Diaz in this one. I do, too. I mean, he's got a professional record in 37 matches of 26 wins, 9 losses, 2 no contests. I like I like Diaz. You know, we haven't, obviously, we haven't seen him in, like, 6 years, uh, six and a half years. But I think he's a guy that, like, he ain't no slouch. He's going to be ready. There's there going to be no ring rust on that guy. No. He, he'll be ready. There's no chance of ring rust. He runs triathlons all the time. Like, uh-huh. he is in shape year-round, and the fact that he has not taken any damage from fighting in however many years. Oh, so he's had six years to recover from Anderson. I think he's good. Oh, I think he's more than good. I think he's going to win this. I don't know necessarily if he's going to get a stoppage. I don't think so. But the one thing that like, I, I, I fear seeing happen, just because I, I, I'm i that big of a Robbie Lawler fan. So he does. Uh, he's just turned 38, I should say. Yeah, but I, I just fear at this stage... Lawler's chin, it might start going. Just because, yeah, like, listen, you get to that point yeah. where your body just starts giving out. And Robbie will scrap with him. And this is one thing that if this is it for Robbie, win, lose, or draw, if this is it, this is the fight you want to go out on. Yeah. Because Nick is going to fight you. Nick, Nick, Nick ain't going to hold back. There's not going to be any wrestling, not any weird, you know, laying, praying, so to speak. They're going to be swinging. They're going to be trying to get the Ws. Well, I mean, there's going to be weird shit, but it's going to be on Nick's end. Well, Nick's going to taunt him. Let's not forget Nick Diaz and his fight with Anderson Silva laid down in the middle of the octagon. Well, because he was saying, come get me. And Nick and uh, Nick was not having what Anderson Silva was doing. This is true. So I'm saying, if Nick is feeling that certain way, then Nick is going to do that. So that being said, I do like Diaz in this. I think yeah. Robbie's going to go. I think if Robbie loses, unfortunately, I think this is it, and I think that's right the, the right decision to do. It's not a bad fight to go out on. But it's not a bad fight to go out on. And if Nick loses, well, the hype is going to get deflated a little bit, and maybe it's the sport has passed him by per se because if he's losing to Robbie at this stage, yeah, it's going to be tough when you start fighting in that 170 division. We've talked about the killers that hang out there. Mm-hmm. Like, the fight that I think should happen, and if you want to talk box office, the UFC would be foolish not to do this. Nick Diaz, Conor McGregor. Yo. I know that Yo. I know you want to run the Nate trilogy back, and, like, listen, folks, I'd be happy with that, but to Nick. To, to get the – have him run through both. You want to get you want to get to Nate, run through Nick. Yeah. Run like, through – you want to, you want Conor – if Conor wants to talk shit, and, and if he does that and goes through them both – he can talk as much shit as he wants about that, and I will not correct him on it because he will go through two of the greatest fighters of all time. I agree, and that's why I say like they have got some good matchups for him. If Nick can put some wins together, Nick can do some. He can do some stuff. Oh yeah, he could. But I I don't know like the Kamaru Usman's right now. Yeah, that's the benchmark you got to go up against. Is Nick at that level right now? I, I it's I close. Don't, I don't know. We'll have to we got to see what happens on Saturday night. I do like Nick though to win. Sure, could be a stoppage or just a unanimous decision. I think I just, it's I think it's gonna be a unanimous decision. The only way I see it going stoppage is if because like like I said, both of these guys are almost forty. Mm-hmm. I think if it's just they get caught with something and then listen, their shins just don't hold up like they used to. Well, I say we're gonna, the biggest X factor is gonna be Nick and whatever happens with him. So if Robbie can pull something out, great. If he can't, yeah. well, we'll have to see what the who's gonna be. Uh, don't be scared, homie, that night. <laughs> 
Uh, next up in your co-main event of the evening is for the Women's Flyweight Championship, where you've got Valentina Shevchenko defending her belt against Lauren Murphy. Uh, Lauren Murphy, in 19 professional matches, has a record of 15-4. and four. Uh, She's on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 fight win streak. Uh, Last loss was in June of 2018 by unanimous decision. Uh, so she's on, uh, on a bit of a nice win streak there. On the flip side, you've got Valentina Shevchenko, who in 24 professional matches has a record of 20, uh, 21 and 3. And she is on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 fight win streak, uh, knocking out Jessica Andrade in her last fight in April of this year. Uh, unanimous decision against Jennifer Maya back in November of last year. Uh, Caitlin Chukagan, she knocked out in February of 2020. Uh, unanimous decision win against Liz Carmouche in August of 2019. Knocked out Jessica I in June of 2019. Unanimous decision against Joanna Drzejczyk, uh in December of 2018 and then got a submission victory uh, against Priscilla uh, Chochera in uh, February of 2018. So definitely a feather in her cap. Shevchenko is the best UFC slash MMA women's fighter in history not named Amanda Nunez. I was going to say Amanda Nunez is the literal legend killer. Yeah, exactly. Nunez is on a whole different level. And, saying, and, and, and Shevchenko's it, only two most recent losses, Nunez. Yeah, exactly. Shevchenko is right behind her. Shevchenko is that good. Uh-huh. And that's why I say, like, she will go down in the history books as being one of the greats because she is just dominating at that flyweight division. And that's a perfect weight class for her. I think yeah. Bantam, not so much. Sure. But I think flyweight, I mean, she's the queen. She is handling everybody. You're getting that Nunez vibe of just how dominant she is and how good she is. Sure. And just seeing that she's fighting everybody they're throwing against her. It's almost a question of where do you go from here? And yeah. no, I don't want to see it ran back against Nunez again. I'm sorry. No. Nunez has beat her outright twice. Twice. Both, the, both uh, one by split decision and the other by unanimous decision. There is absolutely nothing there that excites me to see that fight again. I'm sorry. There, there isn't. The only one I could maybe see is against Carmouche because uh, against Carmouche, from what I'm seeing, it is a one-in-one split. She lost to Carmouche, uh, their first rival, first matchup back in September of 2010. But then in their second matchup, uh, she beat her uh, by unanimous decision. So that's the only one I can see. Like if 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 jo- uh, Valentina wins, Liz again. Yeah, but but at this stage though, I I don't know. I don't think Carmouche could hang with her. I'm just saying, like, yeah. you look at the evolution of a fighter. Like, there is that time period where they start, they're very raw talent, and then they hone their skills, and they get to that level where they're at their peak. Oh, she can't even fight Carmouche anyway. She's in Bellator. Well, right, but I, I'm i sure that if they, if the UFC really, really, really wanted to make a fight happen, yeah, I'm sure. sure something could happen there. But I think, though, Shevchenko is just on a that level right now where she's untouchable at 125. I really do. I don't know how Murphy is going to handle it. Honestly, this could be a first-round stoppage. And it's not to say that Murphy is not a good fighter. She is. Shevchenko is just that much better. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the rankings right now, uh, courtesy of UFC.com slash rankings. Shevchenko is, of course, the listed champion. Uh, Number one ranked fighter is Jessica Andrade. And, well, uh, Shevchenko knocked her out in her last fight. Uh, number two ranked fighter is uh, Caitlin Chukagan, who, looking at uh, Valentina's record, knocked her out as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got Lauren Murphy, who she's, of course, uh, facing this weekend. Uh, number four is Jennifer uh, Maya, who whoop, 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 she, did she, beat. she beat her by unanimous decision back in uh, November. Then you've got Cynthia Calvillo, who I don't... She's fighting Andrade on the she's, card. She's fighting Andrade, so maybe that's that's what happens. If, if, if she beats Andrade, there's your next matchup. 
What I would do, and I don't think the UFC is going to do this, is, Pad, you call up those rankings one more time, and yes. you take a look at who's in the women's strawweight division. Uh, sure. So you've got uh, Thug Rose as your champion. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Zhang Weili as your number one fighter. That's who I'd do. Ooh. That's the fight I would make. I'd see Ooh. if, if, if uh, Zhang would want to go up there. Okay. That's, that is who I would make the fight against. You got my attention. Because, like I say, you're going to have to get some fighters in there. Yeah. That can really give a challenge, and it's tough. And I'm, this is not a discredit to who's fighting in that division, mm-hmm. but when you have a champion that is that dominant, yeah, you have to really go out of your way to make matchups that make sense. And I'm looking at what the t- who Shevchenko has just ran through everybody that they've thrown at her 125. Yeah, I mean, like I said, her, she's got three career losses. Two are to Amanda Nunes. One is to Liz Carmouche. Yeah. Like, and, and Liz and to Nunes ain't no thing to slouch your head about. Exactly. Nunes is the literal legend killer. Right. So, I mean, like I say, she, or Nunes is just dominant whoever she's facing. And I, I don't even know who you can throw against her right now. I know that she's got the fight against uh, Pena coming up. Right. But after that, I mean, where are you going from here? Like, that's that's the problem. It's going to be tough. And that's the problem you're not having with Shevchenko. So that's why I said if you call up Zhang, Zhang against Shevchenko, I think, makes a lot more sense. I know yeah. I know that they're going to run it back with her and, and Rose, so I know that's off the table right now. But what I'm saying is, okay, if Rose beats Zhang again, then I would have Zhang move up. Sure. And I think that Zhang would give her a real challenge at 125 for the title, and that's why I think the UFC really needs to start looking. Jerzejczyk, I don't think, could go back up to flyweight and fight again. Like, no. I, like she did not look great. But I think that this is a fight that you can definitely have if you if you really want to stir a contender up. Zhang could definitely hang up there. I don't know if Rose would do so well. Rose Rose might, but I think she's really comfortable in the strawweight division, and she can definitely scrap with anybody. It's not to say she wouldn't scrap with Shevchenko. Sure, but Shevchenko is just so well rounded in all the the elements of mixed martial arts. It, it's tough to find an opponent. Yeah, it really is. But like I said, if I had to choose one right now, that's the fantasy book and I would do. Sure, I'm all right with that. But like I said, I like Shevchenko. I like her in a first-round stoppage. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing, maybe even second, just because I'm looking at Murphy's opponents. She's beaten Joanne Calderwood, you know, her last fight via split decision. Uh, Lilia Shakarova uh, in UFC 254 by submission. Uh, Roxanne Motorafi, you know, it's like it's a lot of names I don't recognize. You know, she lost to uh, Soraya Eubanks in 2018. Lost to Chukagan in 16, Liz Carmouche in 15, you know, Sarah McMahon in 14. You know, to me, it's like no disrespect to Lauren Murphy. It's just, hey, you're the next name up. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, who knows? There might be an upset. Could be. You know, you never know what's going to happen in an MMA fight. That's what it's great to watch. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying right now, if I have to make a pick, I'm taking Shevchenko all day. Yeah. But let's get to that main event, shall we? That main event is for the uh, UFC featherweight uh, division championship where you've got Alexander Volkanovsky defending his belt against Brian Ortega. Uh, Brian Ortega, in 17 professional matches, has a record of 15-1. and one. Uh, That one loss coming to Max Holloway via doctor stoppage. Uh, that was in December of 2018. Uh, among the likes, he's beaten uh, Chan Sung Jung, 
uh, Frankie Edgar, Cub Swanson, Clay Guida, uh, Tiago Tavares, uh, you know, so definitely some names there. And then on the flip side, you've got Alexander Volkanovsky, who in 23 professional matches has a record of 22 and 1. That one loss coming to a gentleman by the name of Corey Nelson, who knocked him out uh, in 13 seconds into the third round of the Australian Fighting Championship. That was in May of 2013. Since that date, the man has not lost a fight. No, and obviously Volkanovski is doing some work. I mean, going back-to-back with Max Holloway? Uh, yes, split decision, the most recent fight uh, back in July of last year. Unanimous decision in the first matchup in December of 2019. Unanimous decision against Jose Aldo. Knocked out Chad Mendez. Uh, unanimous decision against Darren Elkins. That was in uh, 2018. Jeremy Kennedy, he knocked out in t- uh, February of 2018. Unanimous decision against Shane Young in November of 2017. You know, then you got unanimous decision tko tko knockout submission tko tko unanimous decision like the man's on a run he's on a run right now you can't take anything away from volkanovsky like he he is definitely a fighting champion Mm -hmm. he's going to scrap he's going to be doing a lot of wrestling like he's like i said if you could take out max holloway that is a statement win oh yeah so that being said it's definitely going to be interesting to see how he mixes it up with ortega because Ortega is no slouch in his own right. Mm-hmm. Pat, you guys, stats up? Uh, you know, yeah. So Ortega, like I mentioned, is uh, 17 matches, 15 and 1. Uh, you know, his one loss, like I said, was Max Holloway, and that was a doctor stoppage. But, you know, he's uh, beat uh, Chan Sung Jung by unanimous decision, knocked out Frankie Edgar, submitted Cub Swanson, knocked out Clay Guida, uh, knocked out Tiago Tavares, you know, uh, got uh, was a no contest against Mike uh, De La Torre. You know, split decision when uh, submission by triangle choke, submission by uh, win by triangle choke. You know, the man's got a pretty decent record. He was on a pretty good run taking out the no contest, uh, that which was originally a submission win for Ortega, but was overturned after he tested positive for a uh, PED. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like you said, the one loss to uh, Max Holloway, which was a doctor stoppage. And that was a brutal, brutal ass kicking he took. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a doctor stoppage, but it still got fight of the night. Oh, it still did be. Ortega took so much damage that I remember when he had the fight against the Korean zombie coming up, it was like, what fight are we going to get? Because sometimes you get in those battles and you don't come back the same. And that was such a demoralizing loss to him because Max, he made him look like he never fought before. Mm -hmm. Like that, that just goes to show how good Max is. But Ortega looked on point against the Korean zombie. Sure. And I know there was a lot of bad blood going on. Oh yeah. And they definitely, had a great scrap, but Ortega just looked on a different level. And obviously we know that they've been doing the ultimate fighter with these two gentlemen this yep. season. I tell you what, Saturday night is going to be an interesting scenario mm-hmm. because I think if Ortega can get this to the third round, and he is usually luckier than anybody in that third round, mm-hmm. I think we're saying I knew that night. Ooh. Oh, that could be. I'm going to go out on a gutsy limb. Could be. I think that with Volkanovski, he's going to try wrestling and grappling and really shutting Ortega down. Ortega does have a uh, slight thing for third-round wins. Uh, he won his fight against Tiago Tavares in the third round. He won his fight uh, next fight against Diego uh, Brandado uh, in the third round. He knocked out Clay Guida in the... Third, Third round. Uh, and then his next fight was against uh, Renato Moicano, who we submitted in the... Third round. Uh, yeah, I'm noticing a trend there. Uh, he won, got a submission triangle choke before any of us I mentioned uh, in the... 
third round. He got a unanimous decision win. Well, that was that was a unanimous decision. That's not a stoppage. But, yeah, no, the man's got a thing for third rounds. That's what I say. He gets super lucky in that third round. It's a <laughs> dear weird Al- thing. Dear Alexander, run like shit in the third round. After that, go nuts. Exactly. But I think Ortega is ready for this. I know that the Ultimate Fighter has not exactly made him look like a fan favorite, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, but listen, you listen, know, I just, appre- I forget who it was, but I just appreciate whichever one of them called up their like giant snake guy mm. and put the giant fucking snake in the other guy's training room. That shit was funny. Oh yeah. They, they've been trying to prank each other. I want to say, I want to say it was Volkanovsky cause he's Australian and listen, they don't fear nothing. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. He's going to go in there completely. No fear. Volkanovsky is going to challenge him. I really think it's going to be a great fight. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I just got this weird vibe that. Volkanovski is going to go for a takedown, and he's going to get caught in a choke. And I think that he's going to pass out. I don't think he's going to tap. I'll say, well, uh, Ortega, according to his Wikipedia page, is a first-degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, he's no joke. So that's why I say this is going to be a really contrast of styles fight. I'll say Volkanovski, only a brown belt. Yeah, but he can still scrap. He can still throw some hands. Both these guys have, are pretty much balanced on their feet. I do like Ortega a little better. Okay. But in the grappling aspect, I do like Volkanovski. But I don't doubt this turning into a submission match. Mm-hmm. And I don't doubt Ortega winning this. So I got him winning the third round. Pat, who you got for this one? I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Volkanovski. Just the man's been on a run, beating the likes of who's who. I'm not saying Ortega can't win, mm-hmm. but I just think until I see otherwise, I'm picking Volkanovski. No, that's a safe pick. I don't doubt. I, like I said, you can't go wrong either or. But it's going to be an exciting fight to watch, nevertheless, unless something weird and freakish happens in the first round, which let's hope not, shall we? Saturday night is going to be a night for fighting. I don't know if we're live streaming that one. Hmm. I don't know. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for 607 Podcast social media. We'll make an announcement sooner than later about that. But UFC 266 is going down this weekend, man. It feels so good to say that one more time. Yeah. The UFC is back on pay-per-view this weekend. Definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts going into this fight? Are you excited to see Nick Diaz return? Who you got winning in the main events? Let's talk some MMA, shall we, ODPH Society? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies more your style? Then the folks over at They Call This A Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at theycalledthisamovie.podbean.com. They Called This A Movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling! This week is a huge, and dare I say, huge week of professional wrestling on television. Yeah, it is. AEW has a loaded week of wrestling. Yeah, they do. And it is absolutely insane. Kicking off this Wednesday from Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you this. If you are ever going to watch an AEW show, this is the one you go watch. Let's say now if you're sitting there going, wait a minute, Arthur Ashe Stadium, that sounds familiar. That is the tennis court where the U.S. Open is held in New York City every year. Yes. 
So this is a big move for All Elite Wrestling. They've been making a lot of moves, and we're going to quickly break down their card for AEW Dynamite Grand Slam and AEW Rampage Grand Slam. Yeah. And if you want a little more in-depth coverage, definitely swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Hit up Parlay Points. There's a brand-new blogs account anywhere where I kind of deep dive a little bit on certain matches going on, but I want to get Pat's take on this card, so let's go. Uh, sure. So the first match we're going to talk about is between FTR with Tully Blanchard uh, versus Sting and Darby Allen. Okay, so this one I'm not excited about. Okay. I have to admit, I love FTR. They're such a throwback tag team. But I just fear that they're going to be losing on this weird push that AEW has about with Darby and Sting being a legit tag team. Mm. I just fear this. Like, I don't, I am not a fan of seeing Sting wrestle at this age. Sure. I love Sting. But I, I'm just not excited to see him doing this, and especially going over one of your greatest tag teams that you have done absolutely nothing with since they've been here and job to the Young Bucks. Sure. I'm sorry. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me on paper to do this. I'd much rather see Darby and Sting in another match with somebody else. But I digress. Here we are. Yeah. So, thoughts on this, Pat? Uh, yeah, no, it's it's definitely an interesting matchup. Just like you said, you got Sting, who's one of the like all time legends in professional wrestling, going with Darby Allen, who's his like protege, I guess you could say at this point. Like, I'm saying it's like father and son, right? Father now son, but it, like, but it's like a protege yeah, behind the scenes type of thing. And then you've got, like you said, you got him going up against FTR, who I'll be honest, I thought they were out the door from AEW, just the way things were reading on social media. They're not though. Okay, uh, I don't know how you're gonna. Do, I'm gonna say this one's probably gonna go uh, disqualification win for FTR. You know, just with Tully Blanchard shenanigans involved, you know they're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get the win, but disqualifications are gonna the sting and sting and Darby. You mean? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So yeah, it's gonna be shenanigans are gonna get involved. It, it probably will. Like I say, I, I hope so, just for FTR's sake. But like, listen, I always kind of joke it's the father and son vibe that I'm just keep waiting for Sting to go. Darby, I am your father. <laughs> but it, like the pairing is just a, supposed to be like a Batman and Robin type deal. I just don't get it. I'm, I'm not vibing off it, but it's gonna be what it is. I'm just hoping FTR gets the win for yeah. their sake. But next up, though. Uh, this one is for the AEW Women's World Championship, where you've got Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, uh, taking on Ruby Soho, uh, and Britt Baker is defending her belt. So this one, listen, I love Ruby Soho. Huge, huge, huge fan of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, since she debuted at All Out, this is a big match. She won the Casino Battle Royal, so she's cashing in that title shot right now. Sure. This should be a great match. Oh, yeah. Uh, the promo work. Listen, Ruby is light years ahead of Brit. If you saw Rampage Friday uh-huh. night, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I think, though, Brit is going to retain here. I don't think that she's going to drop the belt. Um, except she's kind of in this weird position that I think is on a lesser level than Becky Lynch. Sure. She's supposed to be a heel, but she's too over with the crowd. Yeah. So... I just don't see him moving the belt off her, even though I think Ruby's still going to contend. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that she'll get lost in the shuffle on the card. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see this going any other way than Britt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm going to say I'm going to say Britt as well, just because I feel like that women's division needs a long, uh, not so drawn out, but like just a long feud between two folks, just because it appears to be playing hot potato within not really anything drawn out. Mm-hmm. So I think this would help the women's division out because let's face it, Ruby Soho is a very good wrestler. Britt Baker, also a very good wrestler. You can definitely have a feud for them go on for, for a while. Maybe even, you know, you know, have the final matchup at the next pay-per-view. Yeah, at full gear in November. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be okay with that. That, that. That's long enough where it's not feeling super dragged out, like, oh my God, let's just get it over with. But but it's long enough to where it's like, oh my God, I want to see how this ends. But if they could add Thunder Rosa in that mix, I'm, I'm here for that all freaking day. Yeah. Uh, next up is a matchup between MJF and Brian Pillman Jr. And I'm going to say this, Sleeper, this could be match of the night. 
Really? I'm thinking so. Uh, listen, I've seen both of these gentlemen in person, not at the same time. Uh, various, uh, but these both of these guys, good in the ring, great in the ring. Uh, I think this could be match of the night. Really? Yeah. See, I'm not excited about this, but I see your point though, because I do like both wrestlers. Yeah. For for me, I just I, I struggle with how AEW books MJF. Sure. He is arguably one of your cornerstones for the future of your company. He's one of the greatest heels in wrestling right now. Yeah. And the fact that he goes finally, like, it appears that finally we're done with him and Chris Jericho. Thank, thank the, God. Thank the, yeah, thank the Lord. But you're now sending him into the mid-card against Brian Pillman, and it's nothing against Pillman, but let's face it, you're it's kind of a step backwards yeah. a little bit, unless you're really going to have Pillman elevated as a singles wrestler but he's still in the tag team with the Varsity Blondes. It, it's I, th- I think this is just, you know, to use an anime term, this is just filler. You know, yeah. it, it's meant to elevate both guys. Listen, both guys are going to come out of this looking like a million bucks. It's just something to tide over whatever they're going to do with MJF so they can get him to whoever he's facing next. That Whoever he's facing next is already tied up in a feud. That's going to get wrapped up. Then they're going to be able to plug him in. They just want to keep him on TV so that, hey, filler. Yeah, I, I mean, I can understand that. I think MJF goes over unless Wardlow does the big turn. They've been teasing that for a while now. Yeah. Which I'm just kind of like, all right, well, let's do it if we're going to do it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, next up, you've got Cody Rhodes taking on Malachi Black. Fear the pyro, folks. Yeah. Let's just hope that the uh, roof at Arthur Ashe Stadium is open. I'm already calling this. This is going to open your card. That's going to be the opening match of the Could night because be. Cody is going to want to get that big entrance going. Yeah. And this one, I would love to see Malachi Black win. Mm-hmm. I really would. But I fear we're going to get the Rhodes Lander. He's he's going to go completely no-selling and, and just... Well, and he also just came back to TV after taking some time off for the baby, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, which, I mean... So, yeah, I mean, I, I can see him starting off the card because you've got to imagine both guys are wanting to get the crowd going, get them hyped up, get them fired up. And then, let's face it, that is a good matchup to start off with. Yeah, and like I said, I agree, and I completely understand why he took the time off, and congratulations to him and Brandy. Yeah. But like I say, he's going to come back, and I there's just no chance he's going to lose. No. And I, and I just don't like this for the sense of you have a guy in the company now with Malachi Black who there was a lot of hype when he debuted, mm-hmm. and I fear this is going to be typical protocol he has a big pro- profile match with yeah. Cody, and then he disappears. Yeah, well, I mean, there are you can, you look at the promo for this, the the artwork for this. They're already booking this as like a good versus evil thing. You've got Malachi wearing his all black. Mm-hmm. You've got Cody wearing all white. You know, good versus evil. You know, this should be a matchup that like should go on for a few matches. But let's face it, it's probably going to be a one and done. And, and that's a sad thing too because it it they they're, bo- they're both good wrestlers. And yeah, I would like to see a series of matches against them, but it's probably a one and done. It's probably one and done, but man, I'm just like I want to get excited about it, but I can't because I just fear this is gonna be Rhodeslander not selling anything, and then yeah. he gets the W, and then here we go again. Yep, uh, and then you've got CM Punk doing a live interview 48 hours before his first TV match in over seven years, so shenanigans will ensue. Yeah, well, I will say this though, I'm not mad at the love affair is still going on, the honeymoon with oh, the sure. AW faithful. Punk looks happy, sure, and say what it is, I think he's very happy that fans still remember him oh sure and he's wildly over he's definitely trying to put over the wrestlers via the mic yeah when he's talking Mm -hmm. so right now like i said the honeymoon phase is still going on i I like seeing it 
I, uh, but the fact that we're still getting the interview before Rampage, I don't necessarily know how I feel about that. It's a, it's a ratings bump. That's all it is. It's a, it's a ratings bump. It's, it's a, because let's face it, between the matches I've already mentioned, which are all great matches, and they're, they're pay-per-view card matches, and then we've still got the main event to talk about, which is a you know pay-per-view matchup in and of it. Like, that could fill a pay-per-view in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It's it's a ra- it's a ratings bump. It's it's just there to bump ratings because we know what the CM Punk fans, you know, they obviously overlap with AEW, but the what the CM Punk fans will do, they will tune in for for CM Punk and then they'll dip the fuck out. Yeah, I mean that's going to be the interesting thing what happens here. Just the just the whole storyline they're doing. Like for me, I'm just seeing this is like Rocky's comeback. Sure. After yeah. he retired. Yeah. This is what I see and like I I'm sorry. I, I put this on a blocks count anywhere uh, a few weeks ago. All signs point to him versus Miro mm. for that TNT title. I'm sorry. Like, you can't tell me otherwise. I know that they're doing the thing now with Miro and Sammy Guevara. Listen, Sammy's not going to get the belt from him. I'm going to say that right now. It's it's punks to get. If not full gear, the road to revolution is going to have Punk and Miro on a collision course. All right. Mark that tape right now. All right. And then, but that main event, though, that you talked yeah. about. Uh, the main event is a- uh, Kenny Omega defending the AEW World Championship uh, with Don Callis against Brian Danielson, making his uh, first AEW match debut. Two of the best in the business. Yeah. And this is not for the title. No. So, thus, I want to emphasize that because. Oh, okay. So I read that wrong. My apologies. No, no, no. No, like, no, not anything for you, Pat. But this is why I think Danielson's winning. Oh. I think that Danielson is either going to win outright. Or we're going to have wacky shenanigans like a run-in from the Elite yeah, no, and a post-match beatdown. Yeah, yeah, there's going to be a run-in. Yeah, like, like I said, it's not going to be a clean finish, and that's what I think. I, let me rephrase it. I would be shocked if it's a clean finish, but I think that they're definitely going to not do anything to stop this storyline from going. Danielson is apparently going to be number one contender. All right. But like like I said, if he beats Kenny Omega, you have to put him there. Like, oh, sure. I, like, but then that's the whole, well, the rankings matter, blah, blah, blah. The only thing I could see happening here, and I think that this would be smart for AEW to do, but then again, maybe not, is you have the post-match beatdown, and this is where you bring Adam Page back. See, I was just thinking that, but do that for when they have the belt matchup. Like, let's just say if it's at full, like, have this matchup. Have Danielson win. So mm-hmm. then he becomes your number one contender because, hey, he just pinned the champion. Then you build up the match. All right, so they're going to face each other. Then you come out on next week's Dynamite. All right, hey, Danielson pinned him in the ring. We're going to give him the belt, uh, shot at the belt at uh, full gear in November. So then you get to that matchup, but you get the shenanigans finish where Adam Page comes out and goes, no, motherfucker, you're not the number one contender. I am. I'd love to see that. That, to me, would be real good booking. I'd love to see that, Pat. I'm I'm here for that. Because then you get the Adam Page return. You get all the folks who might be a little miffed or bummed that, like, he's the next guy. He's the number one contender. He's going to win the belt. We're finally going to see the conclusion to the greatest story in professional wrestling history. You get them a little happy. You get folks a little happy just to see the, the uh, schmaz ending, but it could be good. Yeah, like I said, I think they, they should do something like that. You're, you're definitely going to have a weird ending to this. Mm-hmm. And you'll have a post-match beatdown. And then this is where you might bring in Adam Page. I would be shocked, though. I know the internet is kind of running rampant with rumors involving one Bray Wyatt, formerly known as. Yeah. I don't think you bring him in here. I know the next week they're in Rochester. Mm. 
Uh, I know the fans are saying that because obviously that's the late Brody Lee's hometown, yep. Yep. and then obviously they're very close. And I know he, yeah, it would make sense. To that bring, makes sense to have him debut there. I don't think he's going to. I don't. I know his contract, uh, ninety day no compete, is up in October, right? And that's where I think you'll see him first, right? But if you're going to do a big debut, like I think you're going to have it at the end of the show. And like I said, I if it, somehow if the powers that be release him early, maybe no you see hell. yeah. But that's the thing, I. I don't know. Like it, they've done weirder things lately. WWE is making a lot of very puzzling moves. So it's not out of the realm of thought. But I do agree with you. I just don't see it happening. No. no. But you'll you will have a big debut at the end of Dynamite to go carry that momentum into Rampage mm-hmm. on Friday night, yeah. which is a two hour show too. So yep. make sure to drink uh, a lot of coffee that night. Yeah. Uh, so you've got uh, Anna J taking on Penelope Ford in one of your matchups. I tell you what, I'm not mad about this feud. All right. I, I'm really not. I think that Ty Conte and Anna Jay should be a tag team that if they do decide to do women's tag team titles in AEW, mm-hmm. that's a great team to lead into the first feud for those belts. Sure. So this one, um, I'm going to say Anna Jay, but it could go either way. Uh, I'm going to say Penelope Ford just to be different. Okay. Uh, then you've got the Lucha Bros in uh, Santana and Ortiz taking on Private Party and the Butcher and the Blade. <sighs> Eight-man smas. Yeah. Uh, listen, it's a, it's a time filler. It's a time filler, but if this eventually gets me to Lucha Bros versus Santana Ortiz for the titles, uh, listen, I'm here for it. I'm sorry, like that. That should be the next matchup you're gonna do. I think Santana Ortiz fall in that FTR category. That they are great tag teams, but why they're not pushed near the titles is beyond me. Yeah, and but the Luchas being champions. I think opens up a lot of dream sure. matches. Sure. So give that to me in time. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, Lucha Bros and then Santana Ortiz. Yeah, I get the same. Uh, then you've got Chris Jericho and Jack Hager taking on the men of the year in Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. In Dan Lambert, we trust. Yeah, we do. Listen, Dan Lambert is the best thing on AEW television by far. Uh, the best promo cutter on that show. Oh, my God, yes. I did not think he'd be this good. And for that sole reason. That man has not told a single lie. Yeah. He's not wrong. He is not wrong. I wish he had a Twitter so I could tell him, but I just I would probably just bomb his uh, uh, timeline on um, American Top Team, but I don't want to get kicked off their their timeline because they're a fantastic fight team right there. He is the best. Uh-huh. And that's why I said, like, I would just completely applaud him all day, every day, and that's why I'm going to say the men of the year. Yeah. Because, listen, I, like, I'm sorry. We don't need Jericho and Hager to – They don't need a one. They don't need it. Like, I'm sorry. It's just – is it's not there? It's just not needed. I just don't. Eh, it is. Eh. Yeah. Like I say, I'm I'm not excited about that match, but because I fear like Hager's gonna try pushing that whole MMA angle. Yeah. And then until you want to fight Junior Rosa Santos, I'm not paying attention. Yeah. No. This this should be a one and done, and I'm gonna say it's uh, men of the year just because, like you said, Jericho and, and Hager they don't need it. No, they they definitely don't need it. Uh, then you've got a lights out match between John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus Suzuki Gun. That being a Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer. This is going to be a fun match. I am super excited about this. Uh, listen, who wins? We do. Yeah. But if I have to choose anything, I got to say it's got to be Archer and Suzuki. I Like, listen, Moxley and Kingston don't need to win. No. They're they're Moxley and Kingston. It, plus, it's a lights-out match. Yeah. So, like I said, it's, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be out of control. That's what I want from this match, and like seriously, we're going to continue. Renee's not going to like it. Yeah, probably not. It's going to get messy. It's going to get very, very violent. But I am here for this. Yeah. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna be uh, Suzuki and uh, Lance Archer. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, then you've got CM Punk, like we mentioned, making his television wrestling debut uh, return after seven years, uh, going up against Powerhouse Hobbs with the dreaded hook. Are we doing locks and leaps? Because I'll tell you the lock. Punk wins. Yeah. Oh, like super large. Yeah. This is not even. This will be a good match. I will say this. It'll be an entertaining match. It'll be good, but. Punk is not losing yeah. its debut match no. after seven years. Stop. No. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, you've got the Super Click in Adam Cole. Baby. And the Young Bucks taking on the team of Christian Cage and then uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, super Click all day. Yeah. I'm sorry. Adam Cole has been on fire since he's came to AEW. Promo work, not his best, though. Yes. I, I have to agree. I know I was talking with Rich from 3FN about this. Not his best stuff as of late. However, though, the match against Frankie Kazarian uh on last week's rampage mm-hmm. or dynamite rather fantastic yeah so uh like i said i don't see the super click losing here no. and uh this will be one way to send the fans home happy even though yeah. it'll, be, it'll be a fun match I oh yeah no it'll be a fun match it'll make both sides look good but yeah super click's gonna win yeah outright aew man lot of great action going on this weekend yeah. obviously i'll be live tweeting at od parlayer about that uh, or, yeah, OD Parlay Hour. See, I'm getting so amped up, I can't even talk. But there's going to be so much great action going on, so you definitely want to watch. If you're an AEW fan, and if you're not, this is the time to give them a checkout. So I will say this. just If you're worried about Twitter, just don't go searching any hashtags. Just hang on my timeline. I'll tell you the real deal. But this is going to be the time to watch this weekend. But, 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 the WWE has a stack card as well, too, coming yeah. on this Sunday. Extreme rules? Yeah. Uh, so the matchups you've gotten, no, uh, none of them actually have any extreme rules stipulations added yet, but I'm sure they will be come uh, bell time. Uh, you've got first matchup is Liz Liv Morgan taking on Carmella. Morgan all day. Yeah, I'm going to say Morgan all day. Carmella really doesn't need it. Liv Morgan build to something better. I'm going to say this will probably be on pre-show. Yeah, this will probably be the pre-show match. And, like, listen, I'm sorry. Liv is due to get some time in the spotlight. And what better way to start getting that ball rolling than here? Yeah. Uh, next up is for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, where you have the Usos defending their belts against the Street Profits. Man, this is going to be a fun match. Yeah, it will be. I'm excited for it. I still think the Usos retain, but... That's not without a Montez Ford frog splash through the fucking rafters. Yeah, he's going to... Name me a better person in WWE or hell. AEW, they can do a better frog splash than that, man. Kevin Owens, maybe? Uh, maybe. But yeah. the height Montez Ford gets off of that frog splash, my God. Yeah, I mean, there, there's very few people that can get there. I mean, I would say Pac from, uh, yeah. from AEW. Yeah, I'll give you that. He, he, can, he can definitely get up there. Either way, though, man, this is going to be a fun match. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm super excited about it. But listen, the Profits win. I'm okay with it, too. Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win for me. So Yeah, I'm going to say I'm gonna say Profits to be your end new. Okay. Uh, next up, for the United States Championship, you have Damian Priest defending his belt against uh, Sheamus and Jeff Hardy in a triple threat match. Oh, that's right. Jeff Hardy got added late because yeah. he, he won uh, some stipulation on Raw. Listen, it doesn't matter. You can put seven guys in there against Priest. Priest is coming out there with the belt. Yeah. He's so over right now and he's putting in some great matches lately too so listen let him have the belt longer yeah i'm gonna say it's priest just to give him a nice run with the belt uh next up for the raw women's championship you have charlotte flair defending her belt against alexa bliss well i saw the promo last night after i got done with six six oh seven tws okay i wasn't impressed okay i i gotta admit it was kind of this weird thing where I don't know if Alexa broke character because, you know, she's still the fiend Alexa yeah, and has yeah. Lily the you know, yeah. ragdoll. But she kind of 
broke and went back to old school bliss. Mm. And it was kind of like, I didn't know how to react to it. Cause she was like trying to rip into Charlotte and saying like, you know, I know who you, you know, I know who I am, but do you know who you are? Because who are you without your title? Mm. And I was like really trying to emphasize about that. I mean, she's not wrong. I mean, she and she wasn't wrong, but like I think for where the crowd would be like, ooh, you know, like the big pop. Yeah, it wasn't there, mm. and it just kind of felt like, all right, I don't know where we're going here because this was definitely not in fiend voice. This was Alexa being Alexa. Could have been a slip. Yeah, no, either a slip or she was trying to be a shoot, like one of the two. Like I don't Could know, be. but either way. Like I, I think eventually uh, the way that Alexa is getting over with this gimmick, I think she's getting the belt. Yeah, like it's just kind of weird. But it's yeah. a weird, but it was a weird promo. Like it didn't get me excited to watch the match on Sunday. Yeah, it was kind of like, all right, what are we doing here? Yeah, I don't think anybody's real excited. Charlotte has the belt again. You know, no, I'm definitely not. She's had the belt, you know, almost a month now, whatever it is. Not much has gone on with it. Mm. You know, I think if you put the belt on Alexa, then it gets real interesting. Just because that whole fiend gimmick and the evil Alexa, then I think it gets interesting and you can have some fun with it. You should. I mean, that's the one thing about those characters. But when you play a character of the supernatural angle, like it's weird putting belts on them. Yeah. Because technically it's like you don't need it, but I I digress. Yeah. Uh, Next up is for the SmackDown Women's Championship where you've got Becky Lynch defending her belt against Bianca Belair. We want to talk about fun matches. Yeah. This one will definitely be better than SummerSlam. Rest assured, because now these two have put together a great story. Mm-hmm. And Bianca will be taking on a fully ready-to-go Becky. Mm-hmm. And this should be a match of the night contender. Uh, yeah, I would say so, just because I know people had their you know disagreements and issues with what happened at SummerSlam. But listen, that was the best out of a bad situation. They did what they they could, and I had to call an audible. You will get a better matchup here, duh. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, you're still going to have uh, Becky Lynch be your and still champion. You know, just because listen, you're not going to bring back the man, go through the whole you know turn her heel and all that just to have her immediately drop the belt. I agree. I think that Becky retains this one. It'll be a hard-fought match. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't doubt you see the rubber match uh, going on at SummerSlam. Or not SummerSlam, Survivor Series. Could rather. be. I'm sorry. Depends on how they do Survivor Series. Yeah, it depends. I mean, right now it's supposed to be technically Raw versus SmackDown. But it could also get switch hands via the draft, too. Because we have to remember, after this coming Sunday, the next SmackDown we see will be the first night of the draft. So you might see a big switch up of who's Could going be. where. So Could be. All that being said, I do think Becky retains, though. Yeah, because after this, we do have the Crown Jewel event taking place in October. Uh, but then November is Survivor Series. Yeah, so we'll have to kind of keep our eyes out for that. Yeah. Uh, and then for your main event, because let's face it, we know this is going on last. For the Universal Championship, you have Roman Reigns going defending his belt against Finn Balor, a.k.a. the Demon. Yes, and this is Extreme Rules, so yep. this is Anything Goes. Yep. They put together a nice little story here. Mm-hmm. And obviously, with Brock Lesnar looming around, you never know what you're going to have happen here. Mm-hmm. Demon Finn Balor is coming back, which I yep. which which it, is very interesting because he did Finn did an interview a couple weeks ago and said he didn't see that character. Now, obviously, he knew, but yeah, you know, I he didn't see that character coming back anytime soon. He he had too much more left to do with the prince. Yeah, and I think the prince angle worked, so I'm very surprised we're seeing this. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't necessarily know what I feel about it. I'm I'm down for it. I love the demon entrance. Well, the demon entrance is cool and all, but with 
it made more sense for his other character. Sure. Him being the prince, it's like, I don't know. It just, it's not really getting me super amped up, but I, but I do understand why people enjoy it. And like, listen, the demon prince is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Is it enough to take the belt off Roman? I will say this, and I have to give credit to Rich from 3FN about this. Mm-hmm. If you have a Lesnar interference, uh-huh. I could see that happening. I, I think that's the only way Finn wins, that if Lesnar comes out, interferes, causes Roman's distress, because let's face it, the Usos are going to be there at ringside. Mm. They're going to try stopping him. They're going to get run through like a wet paper towel, mm. you know, and then Lesnar interferes, distracts Roman enough, Finn gets the win. Because I think the way they're booking, and listen, I am saying this as a Finn Balor guy. Yeah, Finn Balor is my favorite wrestler on the planet. You know, bar none. Mm-hmm. I love the demon. I love seeing him come back. But unless Lesnar interferes, Demon Finn Balor is not winning this matchup just because of the way they're booking Roman. Yeah. That like, let's face it, he went up against Bobby Lashley in Big E on Monday night, and he still won. Yeah, that was a fun match. That was a great match. Yeah, which I don't doubt them adding Big E versus Lashley here, and I'm fearing a chairs match because mm-hmm. of reasons. Yeah. Either way, though. Uh, this is Roman's world, so I, I, like I said, unless they want to take the belt off him before Crown Jewel, you don't, the thing of it is, is you don't need the belt for Crown Jewel, right? That's the whole that, thing. Like it's a marquee pay per view matchup without the belt. Yeah, you could give the belt to Balor, have him do a run with it, and then have a triple threat if you want to, because they're, uh, uh, you know, you know, because mm, that that's Survivor Series, and then it's TLC. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways they can go into this. But like I say, unless Brock is going to interfere, I just don't see them taking the belt off no, Roman. Roman's no. the most over guy in all pro wrestling right now. Yeah, I would say. So if no Brock, it's going to be Roman. But if Brock interferes, it's going to be Balor. Yeah. Either way, we will be live streaming the reactions to Extreme Rules this Sunday night on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. That's locked and loaded, so you want to make sure you drop the follow for that. And definitely hit us up on Twitter and let us know how excited you are for all this pro wrestling action this week. This is a huge week to be a fan. And I'm just echoing the statements that were said on 607TWS. Enjoy the shows for what they are. This is going to be worth your time. And for anybody that's on the fence of like, I've never watched a wrestling show in a long time. I've never watched it before. This is a perfect week to give it a shot. So plus, you can see you still got NXT on tap with their new format. You got SmackDown, which is always good. Plus, it's going into a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. You got Impact if you really want to go deep diving or go on Fight.tv and watch GCW. I'll promote them all day. Yeah. Fantastic card. Ron Funches, everybody. There you go. Need I say more? But, yeah, hit us up and let us know what you think, wrestling fans. Are you excited for this week? And give us your picks, who you think's winning what. I definitely want to have that conversation with the ODPH Society this week. So that being said, you know where to find us at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter. Let's have that conversation, ODPH Society. Are you ready to talk some wrestling? I know I am. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, time to round those bases and take the show home. Uh, i got to talk a little baseball because we had a record broken uh, this past week, just the other day, and we got to give credit where credit is due. Credit to the Kansas City Royals catcher Salvador Perez, who hit his 46th home run this season. Wow. As, and broke Johnny Bench's record as a starting catcher. Uh, the record uh, was held by Johnny Bench, uh, who set the record at 45 in 1970 for the most uh, home runs by a player who played at least 75% of his team games as catcher. Uh, you know, he moves into a tie with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for the lead in with the majors uh, in homers. Uh, and then also uh, with 115 RBIs. He's the first catcher with 100 that many RBIs since Mike Piazza in 1999. That's wild. Yeah, so it's been a great season uh, for Salvador Perez, who's been, you know, quietly behind Shohei Otani and everything he's doing. Plus, you got Vlad Guerrero Jr. So definitely got to give credit where credit is due to Salvi and 46 home runs. My goodness. That's no joke, man. Yeah. Congratulations so to him say, on that Johnny one. Johnny Bench, great catcher, breaking one of his records, even better. Yeah, exactly. So for my bases, I want to talk some MMA retirements. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of announced very quietly over the week that Joseph Benavitez has retired from MMA, obviously a long-standing member of WEC and UFC's flyweight division. Uh, always a gamer, always d- stepped up in fights. Just, man, he could never pull off that big one. And it's nothing against his skill level because he is one of the top-notch guys, always left in the cage. And also retiring this week, and this one definitely hit me, Carlos Condit. Wow. As and he was one of my favorites from the WEC and his UFC time. I mean, he was an interim champ in the UFC Always, always came to the cage, ready to go, put on some amazing brawls, amazing fights. Uh, had some injuries uh, in the latter half of the career that really kind of took him out of his game. But for both of those guys, a lot of great memories of watching them in the WEC. And I know that yeah. gets like, forgotten about a lot because, obviously, it's defunct. But if you've been watching a long time of MMA like I have, you remember both those guys just really tearing it up. And obviously when they came to the UFC, made some noise as well. So yeah. we wish them well on their future endeavors. Yeah, let's say we're speaking of retirements. we got to give a uh, farewell retirement to one of your favorite college basketball players, J.J. Redick. Yeah, that's true. Let's I say, laid fifth, under the wire. Laid under the wire, uh, retiring after 15 stellar years in the NBA, uh, saying, you know, hey, it's time for me to go be a dad. You know, good for him. Yeah, had a good career. I will admit, I, I you know, a buddy of ours said that, you know, good to see him last as long when a lot of people, when he came out of college, said, oh, you're not going to last that long. 15 years, it's pretty damn good. He transitioned his game a lot from when he came out in college. Yes. I'll, I'll admit, I didn't think he was going to last this long. Yeah. I, I will be, I'll be one of those guys. I'll, I'll say it. I just didn't think he was going to develop quietly, into the Quietly good. Was never like the stellar, you know, highlight guy you're hearing about every night, but quietly good for 15 years. He was a clutch shooter when they needed a clutch shooter, and I know he got paid a lot of money for some yeah. for, for some one-year deals. Yeah, he did. I'm not mad at him one bit. And like I say, for all those gentlemen, we say congratulations and good luck on the future endeavors because you guys have definitely earned it. But now let us talk some locks and leaps. And this past week, we had two get perfect weeks. Wow. And that gave us a spike. So Jay West from the We Get Dub podcast and Mash from Hop Skeeks definitely jumped up in the rankings. They both have nine points. Evan the Great representing the Villains Demand, Crossover Collision, all those fantastic podcasts on the battery. You should be following everybody on this list, too, by the way. Uh, is there with eight, all tied with JT from the East Coast Avengers, and Andy Adams hey. spiking up at eight. Joey from So Wizard is at number seven with the one and only Padawan J. Had a rough week for leaps, not going to lie. Yeah, it definitely hit everybody. I'm tied with Rich. Uh, from 3FN at 6. Brian from Cheers to Comics is at 5. JVD is at 5 as well. 
Our coach, your coach, the coach, Coach Duffy is at four, tied with Mac East from we get dubbed at the bottom. All right. So definitely it's not over yet, folks. We go to the end of the regular season, so we don't crown anybody in September. No, no, no. So if Rich and I are the Lakers and Celtics, you're in the middle. Does that make you the Bulls? I'm okay with that. All right. I'm all right with that. I mean, all right. it, but it, you know, obviously it's New York forever all day and every day, but, yeah. you know, that's what we got coached there for. So that being said, Pat, who you got for your locks and leaps this week? Uh, for my lock, I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals, who are currently seven and a half point favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Listen, Jacksonville is not too good. You know, nothing against Trevor Lawrence, just he's having a rough start. And, well, Jacksonville really doesn't have anybody to throw to or run with. Uh, so I think Arizona is going to win that one. Uh, and then I'm going to be looking at the Sunday night game uh, where it is Green Bay playing the 49ers. I'm going to pick a Green Bay because San Francisco is currently a three and a half point favorite. Listen, I know Frisco's 2-0. I know it's a home game, but Rodgers is coming off a big game, a good game. I think he's going to keep that mojo going, and I think he's going to be able to pull off the win. Solid picks, Pat. i, I got to admit, I was looking at them too. Some of the point spreads, though, like I said, they're were, ugly. They were ugly. Chargers was jumping, and I, I I could not pull the trigger. They have burnt me so many times in the past. And also, if, if anybody thought I was going to take the Patriots over the Saints, listen, I've watched Patriots-Saints games. I don't care who's that quarterback. Uh-uh. Yeah, no, I would definitely steer away from that. Uh, and also, I think the Raiders just getting so disrespected. Like, there's something just bad about that game. I don't know how to call it. But for my lock, man, I, I wanted to I, – I was going to take the Bills, mm-hmm. I, but I don't like to take my own team unless I get really, really fired up. And I'm not angry this week. I'm actually having a really good week. You know, 35 nothing will do that to you over Miami. <laughs> yeah. So I decided to take a shot on Monday night. Okay. And how about those Cowboys? Yo. Minus four over those Philadelphia Eagles. Yo. I like to roll dice, folks. And I'm going to do it here. So if they lose, at Dre Driven 83 we'll be getting a long text message. Because I'm I'm like, I'm sorry, this is a game that Dallas should win their home. And Philly, I'm not impressed with. I'm yeah. sorry. Like yeah. I, for all that week one nonsense where they were saying crown us and dig us a Super Bowl. Listen, pump the brakes, all right. Yeah, and I think there'll be some humble pie. And for Dallas, listen, they win ugly. There's nothing pretty about this game. It's going to be a high-scoring affair. And I just like Dallas in a shootout in this one. I'm sorry. I'll take Dak Prescott over Jalen Hurts any day of the week. Just saying, as of right now, that's fact. And for my leap, I'm going to go with those Cincinnati Bengals. All right. I Listen, Pittsburgh has not looked like Pittsburgh these past two weeks. Ben, from what I'm reading, has a dealing with a pec uh, injury, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like I say, he just doesn't look right. That offense is not gelling as much as they should. I mean, they did pull it together against the Bills. I'll give them their due. But the Raiders imposed their will. Well, and the Pittsburgh was also down five defensive starters. Yeah. Which doesn't help. And T.J. Watt, I think, is out again this week, too. Yep. So, that being said, if Cincy's going to make some magic happen, this is the week to do it. So, I'm going to go with those bagels. And uh, let's see what, let's see how they pull off. I don't know. Like I said, it's such a weird week this week. Yeah. I don't have, like, a good feeling about either game. But at least I can go cheer against Philly, so I'll, I'll do that on there. And, you know, Buffalo is going to be facing Washington. So if they lose, I'm going to be very, very angry. You can follow me on OD Parlay Hour about that social media because it'll be a long week on Sunday if they lose. Just want to put that out there. But that all being said, Pad, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf. He's got a lot of new stuff coming out. Nickelback cover? No, uh-huh. but soon, uh-huh. hopefully soon. All right. No, but there is a rumor, and I have this on very, very good authority. 
He has a new single coming out. So we are going to see how fast we can get that on the ODPH network of podcasts. We'll have to borrow one of Dog's three phones. Exactly. Shout out to the second phone crew. Uh, and see how fast we can get that song up here. But, Pat, if I want to find out everything going on with Brian, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. Find out everything going on with Brian. Everything going on with Shout Out the Robots. Floodlands, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, all the great musicians you hear each and every week on the ODPH. You can also go check out the directory, which has your favorite podcast on your favorite podcast player. So right there and there. If you want to follow the OD page, you just simple. You hit subscribe, you hit follow, and then we are right there. And we are everywhere you need to be for a podcast. You also check out the classifieds, which has friends of the show, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages, because I've said it once, I say it a thousand times, and it still stands up. If you claim you're in a pod group and you're not on pod chaser with that group, you're not in a group. Just saying. So shout out to the inner circle, shout out to the apocalypse, and of course, shout out to 607 Podcast and our friends over at 8122productions.com. Make sure to go follow, sub, support. Everybody's amazing people over there, so you definitely want to get involved with that. Also, check out Parlay Points. New blogs coming out. A lot of comic reviews. A lot of subscriptions to the RSS feed. Hey. I just saw the numbers. I don't want to disclose on air, but thank you. It's more than two. Oh, my God. It's more than two. And that's all I'll leave at that. So if you want to find out about that, the T Public sale going on this week. Go get that ODPH podcast swag, especially if you're going to New York Comic Con. We'll be taking photos with everybody wearing that. Because I tell you what, I know some people are going to be rocking some gear. If you want to be like the cool kids, this is where you go. All that and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Padawan J, fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.